portrait of a senator, one Thomas Cullen, thirsty for a drink of beer that he just can't get because of a little thing called prohibition. Or perhaps it's time to go to Vietnam, where Dr. Lee Van Lam is struggling furiously with a patient who drank too much methanol. Submitted for your approval. These are the forgotten heroes of beer. But today we're going to talk about a young man from New York who is in the House of Representatives, uh, whose name was Thomas H. Cullen. Mm, he went to Washington. Yes, and he is our forgotten hero of April, um, because April 7th is a day uh, devoted to what he was most famous for doing in Congress, which is legalizing beer. Uh, 3.2% beer only, but still it was the first alcohol legalized uh, after the prohibition was the first, you know, dent in the prohibition's armor. For context, what percentage, you know, what percent beer is like a Bud Light? Around like four and a half usually. Okay, so this is lighter than light. It is, and in fact, there are very few 3.2 beers out. Uh, Utah was the last remaining state. Of course. And they finally, uh, Budweiser held a mock party for them when they finally got rid of the 3.2% beer. And so their main, the main argument behind legalizing the 3.2% beer um, was that it was not intoxicating. So yeah. it, it wasn't, you know, that it's good. It's, it was that it's not intoxicating. It's a very healthy beverage. Everyone loves it. <laughs> um, and of course, the underlying argument was it was based on malt and barley uh, taxes. And they were saying, if you're going to tax these things that are able to create homebrew at a certain level, we should tax the resultant thing, which was beer. And that will create a huge revenue, which it did. And of course, Ooh. it was politically motivated. There was a big election in, in, in 1932 that set this all off. Oh, 32 and 3.2. I wonder if they're related. They're not. 3.2 was unsurprisingly picked by... Who do you think suggested the 3.2%? I don't know. Among others, um, the Bush family and brewers in general who worked very closely with the senators and congressmen <laughs> crafting this bill, such as Cullen. And the, and the brewers, there was initially a bill on the table for a 2.75% one. It was part of the Hull O'Connor bill um, in, in the 19, earlier in the 1931 um, and then there was the Becklinthicum resolution. Oh, who could forget that? Yeah. That's a whole nother episode, guys. And Representative Linthicum of Maryland, who sounds like Giants pitcher Tim Linthicum after a night at the bar pouring over his 2011 stats. Tim Linthicum. <laughs> yeah. Um, they had a bunch of hearings. There was a six-hour hearing on the night that it got passed in the House. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Another New Yorker, actually, there were many New Yorkers who were the main supporters of this, um, but another New Yorker named uh, William Sirovich, who, uh, who was a doctor, went to Columbia. He's actually kind of famous in, in, in medical circles. William Bad Boy Sirovich. Because, because he was a trained doctor and a brilliant chemist. Uh, and in this six-hour-long debate on December 21st of uh, 1932... He brought a ton of props with him. He brought 18 beers, a bottle of whiskey, and a glass of milk. 
Um, Milk? Yeah. Eh? And his overall point that he ended up making was beer is basically just low-fat milk. So if we're giving people milk, which has almost all the same ingredients as beer, except fat, then we should give them this much healthier. Like he was a huge proponent of the healthiness and the basically milk likeness of beer. <laughs> except that it was beer. low fat. Yeah. <coughs> I mean, he just sort of ignored the alcohol as a di- other difference. But I just thought that was very funny that he's like, you know, this very smart and respected doctor was up there being like, you know, man, essentially it's just milk, guys. So can we drink it? Um, uh, so there were a bunch of different, if you want to read the full history, it's actually a fascinating history of how this bill became a law, but he actually made a little cartoon about it. We're going to do that. Yeah. In a future blog post. Um, and so it was the wets versus the dries and Thomas Cohn was the biggest wet. And so, yeah, then in April, uh, FDR signs it into law and there was a giant party in New York. Bars opened, breweries opened. I wonder how much a thing a pint of 3.2% beer was. And I'm guessing they made more money off of this because you'd have to buy more. It was a $5 tax per barrel. But yeah, as a customer, you'd have to buy lots more to feel any effects. Well, so it was added as an amendment onto an income tax resolution. So I I don't care about that. My point is that it would be good for businesses because... Again, it's like low, you know, it's low impact alcohol. Well, it was it was good for businesses. And this is actually kind of something that was one of the controversial parts is it was good for businesses because they specifically were setting it at an amount that would get people drunk. They wouldn't get them drunk at lower amounts. And this was an amount that they knew would get people having more and more beers at a specific amount that they'd have enough so that they'd be getting drunk and be getting intoxicated but not at so much that they'd only buy one or two beers. So it was yeah, like, it was literally perfect. set by the breweries. And then, so that's why, you know, this lady, Mrs. Peabody, came out afterwards and like, this is wrong. It's destroying the country. But like, I'm a little sympathetic to her, at least from the like capitalist standpoint of, yeah, you you know, you had these people come in from business and say, this is the amount that will allow us to est- extract the most out of you know, the the population and the government was like, all right, that's cool. And that sounds very like realistic to how things go today. Yeah. And I doubt it tastes good, but I guess we'll see. I mean, if you hadn't had beer in like 20 years because the prohibition or whatever, you know, and then you have some beer, it was probably really good. Well, let me ask you a question. Do you think that beer can actually save a person's life? I know it saved mine. <laughs> Someone saved um, my life tonight. And didn't it save some Egyptians in the Egyptians? Egyptians uh, they, did really like beer. Because it had more nutrients, and so it kept them from starving to death. But yeah, even I don't one think of in the, modern one times. Of pharaohs in his uh, pyramid, he had like, the makings of beer and like scrolled some sort of poem, an ode to beer. He really was really into it. Nice. But we're not here to talk about pharaohs. So I want to say that pharaoh had a lot of IPAs. And you're going to be like, IPAs? They weren't around then. And I could say, yes, they were in Pyramid Ales. So um, this past Christmas, something very miraculous happened. What? 
There was a man <laughs> in Vietnam who was saved by beer. On Christmas, he had made, uh, I guess, his own home brew and been drinking and drinking and drinking. And he got beer poison or alcohol poisoning. <laughs> and uh, he went to the hospital. This 48-year-old man went to uh, the hospital on Christmas. And the doctors determined that the best way to save him would be to give him 15 cans of beer. <laughs> You would, I mean, this sounds crazy, but it worked. It actually worked. The man's life was saved. He was recovering at home. Uh, there's two kinds of alcohol, apparently. There's ethanol and methanol. T- mm, typically, methanol. yeah, your favorite. Typically in home-brewed material, there's a lot of, I don't know, it's cruder. There's a lot of methanol. So he had, he had, ha- he had like a massive amount of methanol in his system. So they basically countered it with ethanol and that saved his life. That's actually, I mean, he was in the ICU and then he was fine. And then they asked, um, you know, some journalist asked if this was a viable, uh, you know, cure, if this happens again. And a number of doctors were like, yes, I mean, it, it could work i mean it does work in theory it's uh beer is actually doesn't have a ton of ethanol so if you're going to do it typically they would actually use like a higher concentration higher impact alcohol so let me get this straight How, what alcohols have methanol i don't i they're not it's not that common in commercially produced alcohol oh, so that, that that's the, the that's the kicker of this thing so the forgotten hero of this story understood that home brew this person had like home brewed alcohol and so or home brewed beer and so it was heavy on the methanol and this the forgotten hero of the story of course is the doctor that decided we got to give this guy 15 cans of beer like within an hour yo that guy like, that's heroic yeah, and the fact that it worked is extra heroic what's um, his name well it wouldn't have been heroic if he gave up more alcohol and he died of alcohol poisoning because it didn't work <laughs> like <laughs> um what's his name so the forgotten hero is the head of the intensive care unit lee van lam um, um so way to go vietnamese head of the uh intensive care unit came to the rescue it also sounds like a poorly chosen pseudonym for jean-claude van damme <laughs> so like, you think you're proposing that Jean-Claude Van Damme... I mean, when was his last movie? famous action hero. Maybe, maybe. How do you know that he hasn't been in movies because he decided to move to Vietnam, change his name, and take up, you know, alcohol-related surgery or whatever the fuck? If there was no other record of this doctor other than the night that he said this guy needs 15 cans of beer... And that was his only decision on record. Then I would believe that it was Jean Claude. I mean, it sounds like a Van Damme movie plot. Oh my God, do we need? I'd have never seen one or heard his voice. So, you know, this is my impression: is Oh boy, someone is sick. He needs beer. Give him a beer. And I'm confused. Can... Whose voice is that? That's <laughs> Jean Claude Van Damme as Vietnamese doctor. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, for more impressions, go to our website. Uh, They're basically all the same voice, but Jeff can do do an impression of anyone. It just, they all sound the same. I'm a great impressionist. I'm the best impressionist. I'm the best impressionist since Monet. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> okay. And um, to be really relevant, because I know that's what you like, I was thinking of, you know, so what's going on right now? I just saw, I was reading the New York Times today, and this is a stretch of beer saving lives, but there are there are a number of beer companies, including Dogfish Head, uh, breweries that are switching to making producing hand sanitizer. Now, some of them, Dogfish Head said they ran into a little bit of an issue at first. Their hand sanitizer reeked of gin. Um, so nurses... <laughs> That's not an issue, baby. Nurses were coming into the ICU using this dogfish head hand sanitizer Aww. and smelling like they had been, you know, at the club all night, which is probably unsettling. I feel unsettling like they should be patients. allowed to. So, you know, in just in the last six months, we've seen how uh, beer and beer and the makers of beer... Uh, basically confirm one of my favorite quotations from The Simpsons ever, and it goes like this. To alcohol, the cause of and solution to all of life's problems. Thanks for listening to the Forgotten Heroes of Beer. Next week, we have the Forgotten Heroes of Festivals, Forgotten Themselves. And the week following will be the Forgotten Heroes of Earth Day. Stay safe and stay healthy, everybody. It's a long one out there.